I'm Carrie Fountain, and this is Just to Say, where we talk to poets about the poems they make and the poems they love. Poetry springs forth from authentic human voice. Poetry is about anarchy. It's about mystery. It's about dreams. It's about you know the unknown. Writing is a way of saying that you and the world have a chance. This is Tomas Q. Morin, and this is my poem for my daughter. Even after I add up all your birthdays I've celebrated, but that haven't come to pass, since that day long ago when we agreed, it would be better if you never drew that first breath of air. You're still only zero, as all the unborn are, though you never look like a zero, which resembles the eye of a needle, or even less than that, the head of a needle, maybe, though that also seems too large, which doesn't matter because I always see you small and running. At what age does that happen? Across a porch toward my arms that for once aren't filled with books or groceries or even the arms of a lover. And as you draw closer, I see your brow is sweaty because you've been pretending you're a cowboy again, as you like to do, and that I'm a buffalo, stabbed and shot so many times it doesn't know it's already dead. And so it keeps on limping around, while you chase away the buzzards it thinks are pretty. And so round and round our little game goes, until you get tired of playing the hero. Throw away your star, and face my shaggy frown, just before you smile and jump back home in between my horns. Thank you for reading that. You know, one of the things that I love about this poem is that it explores that area of existence of like the sort of lost path, you know, or the yeah. life that we live that's like kind of lived entirely in our imagination or in the sort of, you know, what could have been kind of place right. in our mind, which is so fraught and so fruitful at the same time. So tell me a little bit about how you came to this poem. Yeah, so I was... Uh, just out of high school, I was a college kid, and my girlfriend and I, at the time, we got pregnant accidentally, and yeah, we d we decided we we didn't want to keep the baby, um, so so she had an abortion, and um, that was you know decades ago. Uh, but throughout that whole time, I've always just had this um, uh, this this child. I was in in my imagination, she, it, it's always a she. She's always a daughter. Uh, this child who. Um, has just kind of lived in my mind, and uh, she always stays the same age, even though I'm, I, I keep getting older, um, which makes the relationship uh, kind of weird but, but cool at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, and I always wanted to write about her, and uh, I never knew, never knew how. And one day I was watching a Western, uh, and I've loved Western since I was a kid, and I thought, oh, like if, if, if she was here, she'd be watching it with me uh, because – you know they're my favorites, and and of course they would be her favorites too, and then that was kind of the uh, the entry point in. Yeah, I love that. I love also that there's like a way that as a reader you sort of enter the poem as you do through like the title, uh, which sets a certain expectation for what the poem is going to be about, right? And then right. you sort of like slowly come to understand that this is not a life that came to be, 
And then there's just this moment where, like, you know, I guess maybe it's the moment where I see you small and running across a porch toward my arms. And, and then it just, like, kind of goes off into this, like, super specific reverie, like, imagined circumstance that is, like, an, again, like, it's entirely made up in the imagination. There's even sort of a nod to the idea that, like, the speaker because he hasn't actually had this experience, doesn't even know, like, you know, because right. I always see you small and running. Oh, wait, at what age does that happen? You know, like, it's just um, really lovely where the poem, you know, when I enter this poem, I'm like, immediately faced with a surprise and some revelation and some really great imagery. And then it just like, you know, when you just get to the end of a poem and you just think, oh, my God, how did I get here? Like, this is just not at all where I thought this poem was headed. It's just really, really, it's just a really great poem. <laughs> it's a really well, it's a great poem and it's a really well-written poem. Those are, I think, two different things. And they're both, of, and this poem is like both of those things. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you know, you know the, um, uh, the surprise of, of the horns at the end, um, was a surprise to me uh, when when I got to that point in the poem, and it still surprises me when I read it um, that that's uh, that that's what she's doing and that's where where she's jumping. Um, so it's um, really good to hear that the poem has you know um, surprise for readers who even you know even the ones who've read it you know you know quite a few times because it still surprises me. Yeah, it's funny that it like that idea that like oh you were reading this poem that you wrote, you created this poem, you made it from nothing. You made it from scratch and that the poem itself can can like surprise you in a way it's like the poem itself has <laughs> an imagination of its own that it's like yeah. using on the writer of the poem, you know, like, Oh yeah. yeah. How did I get there? And not, it's not like necessarily just, Oh, I've been away from this poem for a while and I just forgot how it ended. Or I, right. Oh, I forgot that I, you know, I came to that last image at the very end of writing the poem. So it's like unfamiliar or it's like less familiar to me than most of the part, other parts of the poem. It's not that it's not, it's not that it's like, Oh gosh, wow. That's that's a really uh, surprising moment in this poem. I'd love it because poems in, in some way are the same. They're like imagined things that have lives of their own, but only in our imagination. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I think in a way, you know, poems are, I mean, they're these things that we make and in a way they're kind of, you know, uh, sort of like uh, children, like kids, you know, we make them and we raise them up and prepare them to go out into a, a really hard world, you know, that can be unkind to them. And, and they go off and meet strangers, you know, they meet strangers and form relationships with, you know, people we will never know. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, yeah, and, and in that way, you know, I think, um, yeah, you know, uh, when you're making a poem, you have to honor, you know, the life, li the life that it wants, you know, the spirit that it wants, um, you know, to inhabit. Um, and in that way, I think, uh, that's probably why my poems uh, always keep surprising me, because um, there's a certain point where I just let the poem do what it wants to do. Mm. You know? Is that hard for you to come to that point? Do you tend uh, to sort of like easily achieve that, or are you kind of like, I mean, in my own experience, I tend to get really overbearing, and then uh -huh. I totally screw it up, 
and I walk away and I'm like, well, I destroyed that. That's done. I finished that off. I won't ever be able to return to that. And then I return to it. And it's just sometimes it's like the poem itself is like, okay, get out of my way, you know, and I'll finish this up. I'll clean up the mess you made. (laughs) Just let me do it, you know? Yeah, I've I've gotten better at it for sure. Um, When I first started writing poems, I was... Uh, I guess to continue the metaphor a little, I was the uh, typical overbearing parent. I was like, you're going to do what I want you to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know I know you want to go in this direction, but I'm I'm the author. Like, I know better. Um, and, yeah, the, the poems just, they really stunk. <laughs> you know, they were not, they were not, they were not good. Um, so eventually I just, yeah, I just uh, uh, came to a place where I, I gave in. You know, I just gave in every time... Um, yeah, a poem wanted to have its own life uh, and just try to, yeah, just listen to that. I love what you say about the poem, like having its own life and also like leaving you, like it leaves you and it goes to live in the world and you have no say over what happens to it and how people interact with it. And I think that's a really interesting point to make in talking about this particular poem, because if there's any topic in American culture, that is more taboo than abortion. You know, it's just, and I love the idea that you kind of trust the poem itself to, like, you know, this is just the poem. This is the poem that happened, and this is the poem that's going out into the world. And, like, this is just the kind of poem that I think, I I think it's a political poem in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it, it is... It is. I think, in 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 a way, it's it's a very successful political poem because it goes into the world without an agenda and without right. a an argument. Mm-hmm. It's just a story. It's an experience. It's a. This is my experience. You know, right. it's not pro or con anything. Right. You know, it's just yeah. that's the opposite. Like poetry is the opposite of political banter in a way or it's the opposite of like debate right because debates like you it's like black or white and poems the best poems only exist in like the middle of that you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i i i totally agree and i think that's also one of the reasons why maybe um like the poem has been received by like in a certain way by some people like for example i've had women come up to me after after a reading and say um you know i I had a similar experience with a partner and uh you know we had an abortion we were really young and and i always wondered like what he thought i always wondered like like uh because they'd never had conversations with uh with a man you know who was in that situation um because i think for the most part uh, men just don't talk about it Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and they thanked me, you know, for giving them a sort of, a sort of glimpse into what, um, those men in their lives might have thought or, you know, what their relationship might have been to, to that experience. And that, that was a surprise for me. Um, and, it, yeah, it was just like, it's always, um, yeah, I mean, it just like, not to be cliche, but like it really touches my heart whenever, you know, someone comes up and shares something that personal with me and, and says that, yeah, the poem has acted as a sort of kind of window, you know, into a little bit of insight. Yes, and one of the things I notice about the poem when I read it is that there is no other party. It's just the, the right. sort of the male the male point of view. And I think that's 
it seems right for this poem. It seems right because it, it leaves your reader sort of thinking like, oh, yeah, there's a whole other person in the world who is experiencing the world. You sort of imagine that, that they probably are not experiencing this together on an ongoing basis. It is yet another layer or level to the poem where you think like, this is what's happening in this person's ima- imagination. Mm-hmm. And then there's another person who is having a different experience, and you sort of it leads you to wonder. I mean, it's not it's it's not in the poem, but it is present in the poem. The sort of other there's another narrative that is not here, and it makes you wonder what that is. It's like there are three parties in the poem. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely, and I think that I think that ambiguity is important. The not spelling everything out. Yeah. In not just in poems, but in in art. Yeah, leaving some things uh, unsketched, you know, uncolored. So, you know, the reader can go in and, like, fill in whatever they want or just kind of live with that absence. Absence is a part of life, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in that way, I think, you know, art should reflect that. I really love this. It's a cliche, but I really love it. And I use it all the time when I'm talking to students, and I use it, and then I illustrate it. But, like, this poem is all showing. It's not telling, you know. Mm -hmm. All of the revelation in the poem, you learn... You enter the poem for my daughter, and then you learn all of the surprises in the poem, all of the revelation in the poem. Like, there's not any moment where this, the poet, you, the poet, tell. It's all through showing, right. you know? And I love that. And, you know, it's in, in, it, in a way, it's like that is exactly how the imagination works, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, like, your imagination right. never tells you anything. It just shows you. <laughs> it only shows. That's what's so brilliant about it. And it, that's also what's so dangerous about it, too, right? Right. And so frustrating sometimes. It's like, what does that mean? You yeah, know? right. Right, um, right, right. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the moment in the poem, you know, did you realize that this poem is only one p- sentence long? No. Yeah, I know, isn't it? A, it's like a magnificent feat. But the, at the end of this, um, you know, so this is toward the toward the end of the poem. So you're already like in full, you're like sprint. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, but so around and around our little little game goes until you get tired of playing the hero. Throw away your star. You know, like there's a way that the poem could end there, but then you just go and face my shaggy frown just before you smile. And jump back home in between my horn horns, like it starts up again, right? Yeah. I just love that. Mo- I love that moment too. That sort of idea that you get tired of playing the hero, and that how that would like what that also means about like who the hero is in your imagination and what are you? Right. You know, I just, I just really that's just a really smart moment in the poem. Thank you. Mm. And, and and you know, I hoped uh, one of my hopes when I. When I finished the poem, was that because um, I, I didn't want to be like like you were saying I didn't want to be um, uh, like political, you know I didn't want it to be, and I also didn't want to editorialize, you know, and and I hoped that um, you know if someone went back to reread it, like uh, after they read that part about the horns, then when they read it a second time and they got to the part about the needle, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the head of a needle, and uh, they thought about the ways in which. Um, like the tools, some of the tools that are used to perform abortions, mm. you know, um, that they would make that, you know, make that connection that I am as the buffalo, you know, even though it's like the safe place where this, you know, where my daughter lands, um, I'm, you know, I have horns, you know, I'm, I'm a, a source uh, for potential violence mm. as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think also that when I, I read those, you know, 
Though you never look like a zero, which resembles the eye of a needle, or even less than that, the head of a needle, maybe. You know, the sort of like that's just like when you are, you know, when you are when you are pregnant. At least in my experience, you know, it's like so hard to fathom how t- how s- tiny it is the mom- the the occurrence of like right when the right. cells split on a micro microscopic level like yeah. you know oh your bit ba- you know you follow along oh your baby is the size of a pea and now your baby is the size of a peanut <laughs> and now it's the size of you know and it's like you just it's like you're f- it's all abstract you know it's right. all abstract um until it isn't <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, I, I love talking to you about this poem. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Thank, thank you for asking me to, you know, read it and, um, yeah, talking with me about it. I was I love this poem, and then I was also really drawn to it, too, because it's one of the shorter ones in your collection, which is such a great collection um, of poems. Uh, Patient Zero is one of them. It was published last year, right? It came out last year. Yeah, it was one of yeah. my favorite po- books of poems last year. Oh, thank you. That means so much. So... Tomas, did you? I was wondering if, like, you could read us a poem that has meant a lot to you. I feel like in this show, I like to, I, I like, I get. It's like I get to pick the, my favorite poems and then have the poet <laughs> on to read them. But then it's like also I know how, I know how joy, what a source of joy it is to share a poem that you love <laughs> with the world. Yeah. So I wondered if you had a poem that you would like to uh, maybe read, and then we could just sort of discuss what it's meant to you, or. I would I would love to yeah um, so this poem is by uh, uh, Miss Lucille Clifton and it's titled uh, I'm sure you know it uh, won't you celebrate with me won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life I had no model born in Babylon both non-white and woman what did I see to be except myself I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Yes, that poem. Mm. I know. Right? (laughs) That poem is just like everything. Yeah. So why that poem? Why that poem? Is it that this poem has meant like so much to you personally, or is it a poem that you know is like that it's a poem that is for the world? You know what I mean? Like that, right, like right. I mean, or both of those things, or you know, more than the, both of those things. Well, uh, one of the things that I've always loved about the poem is how. Uh, just how generous it is, you know, it's it's like it's talking about um, not just struggle, but, you know, the kind of uh, struggles and challenges that, you know, try to snuff you out. Um, and and her response, rather than, you know, the poem's response, rather than being, you know, anger, you know, uh, it's not, won't you go away from me, you know, instead it's like, won't you celebrate with me um like i love the just the the heart you know the generosity of the poem like to me that's uh we talked about surprise earlier like that's the surprise of the poem it's like you know like the world tried to kill me so many things tried to kill me and you know and and it didn't and then the poem invites the world to come celebrate you know that fact Mm um yeah i just i just love that so i'm just going to tell you that of 
all. So we've this. You are our tenth interview with. So you're our tenth poet. Thirty uh-huh. percent of our poets so far have chosen a Lucille Clifton poem. No way! And oh, that this, makes me so happy. Right, right. So, what is it? Do you think about Clifton? Because I don't think she's a poet that like the world knows well enough. I mean, the, the world could never know her as a poet well enough, in my opinion. But what is it about her? You do you think? That just like she's a poet's poet. Like, what is it about mm-hmm. her that draws poets to her? Well, I mean, I agree with you that she's like so. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, she won the National Book Award. You know, the, there's a huge collected poems that that came out, and you know, so like she's known. But I still think, like you, she's so underread. Um, and I, I think there's a like there's a a timelessness to her to her work. Like she never feels dated. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like um, whether you know you're reading poems from her first book, uh, Good Times, or you know some of the later poems, um, yeah, they just seem to exist on on in this this plane that just you know it's 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 the universal, right? You know, it's it's the universal. She's able to uh, touch you know something that. Uh, something that matters, you know, something that matters, some sort of feeling or some sort of emotion that mat- that matters to all of us. Uh, and it doesn't matter, you know, whether, um, you know, the person reading her poems is uh, black, white, you know, male, female, just whatever. Um, it's There's just such humanity, you know, mm-hmm. such humanity in her work. Um, and that coupled with uh, the generosity, you know, and it's all coming from really personal poems, mm-hmm. you know. It, oh, my you gosh. Know, you know, she's, it, it's not like, you know, she's, you know, writing stuff that's just really vague, but it's coming out of such, you know, hard-won experience and, and um, deep moments. Um, and then, she, but, I mean, she just was doing stuff that, like, no one was doing. I mean, she was writing poems to her uterus. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, that was just such... Ta- tab- she was entering like such taboo territory. She has that poem, "Wishes for Sons." Do you know that poem? Mm. Uh, I don't think I know that. It's one. like this great poem. It's like I wish them. I have to read it. I have to look at it because it's so great. It's a really short poem. I sound now. I sound like I'm like in a. I can hear you. <laughs> I know typing. typing. On your typewriter. Can you can you give me your name, <laughs> <laughs> sir? Okay. I don't I don't have any record of you. I wish them cramps. I wish them a strange town and the last tampon. I wish them no 7-Eleven. I wish them. So it's just like really a poem about, you know, periods. Right. <laughs> it's just like so brilliant, you know, and it's wishes for sons. Like it's this sort of like if that isn't a poem that just addresses like male privilege in a right. in a way like it's just like so perfect. And it's so generous, too. It's not mean-spirited it's this idea that like i wish this for like i wish this for my sons you know for it's not i wish it's not wishes for men you know like i wish they could just experience what it's like to be you know for one minute to be a woman it's like i wish this because it would teach them to be what what women are uh like if, if only her wishes could be granted like they would be opened up in a way you know in a way to uh, the ex- not just her experience, but yeah, I mean the the experience of the other half of the human race, <laughs> right? And 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 Lord knows that like men need that experience desperately. Yeah, 
Yeah, one of the things that when I was pregnant with both of my children, I had to keep telling my very sweet, super feminist husband to just stop saying like, you know, I just be like, oh, my God, I just want to die. You know, like this is, this is just too much. I can't exp- I can't go on with this experience. You know, whatever. I'm going to bar- I'm going to I'm barfing all the time or whatever. Like I can't sleep on any side of my body without just like constant discomfort. And he would say, I just wish that I could. I wish I could have done. You know, I wish I could do it for you. I wish I could carry the children. You know, and I was just like, uh-huh. no, 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 no. <laughs> Shut up. It's not helping. That does not help. <laughs> you know. I mean, that like, didn't make you feel better? <laughs> no, it's so funny because it's also just like, you know, in a way it's like saying like, I just wish that I could do it because I know that I'm strong enough to do it you know like right, exactly. i could do it without bitching about it all the time <laughs> oh. yeah no it's great though that's such a i love that poem that you read and you you read the the clifton poem so wonderfully as well okay perfect. thank you so much for talking to us Thomas. i'll yeah. hope to see you very soon okay take care bye, bye. Rebecca. bye. You can find Tomas Morin's poem, For My Daughter, and other wonderful poems in his collection, Patient Zero. This is Just to Say is produced at KUT Studios in Austin, Texas. My name is Carrie Fountain. Thank you so much for listening.